Today on the Women Mind the Water Artemis series, I'm speaking with Erin Smith. Erin is the CEO of Ocean Soul, a social enterprise that upcycles flip-flops found along the beaches and waterways of Kenya. Ocean Soul has created a successful model for cleaning up ocean trash and transforming the trash into colorful sculptures, high fashion clothes, and mattresses. Ocean Soul also provides a local community with sustainable employment and educational opportunities. The Women Mind the Water podcast series engages artists in conversations about their work and explores the connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am really pleased to welcome Erin Smith to the Artivist Series podcast. Erin has worked in telecommunications and finance before making a pivot in 2016 when she became CEO of Ocean Soul. Erin may not be an artist herself, but she oversees an organization that employs talented artists who create colorful, engaging sculptures from the tons of flip-flops that wash up along the shores of Kenya, a country in East Africa. The men and women who are employed by Ocean Soul work in various capacities from beach cleanup to sculpting the discarded flip-flops into colorful, big smile producing sculptures. Ocean Soul is a social enterprise that supports over 1,200 people and recycles about three quarters of a million flip-flops annually. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to learning more about Ocean Soul and sharing some terrific pictures. Folks, you really should make time to watch the video podcast so you can see the work of Ocean Soul's artists. Erin, I was fortunate many years ago to go to, vi- to visit Kenya. I didn't get a chance to visit the beach, so I'd like to begin by having you describe the coastal community in which Ocean Soul is based. Well, thank you, Pam, very much for having me first, and I'm happy to tell you all about Ocean Soul. Um, Ocean Soul has two headquarters. One is in Nairobi, where we produce and make the art, and I'll explain why um, we have those uh, that workshop there. And then we're based out of Khalifi, Kenya, which is between Mombasa and Malindi um, on the Indian Ocean. And that is where we run all of our coastal community work in terms of beach cleanups, um, working with women in particular, and doing a lot of our conservation um, educational programs there along those schools because they're the most impacted from overfishing and some of the other, you know, kind of things that are going on in the deterioration of ocean health. Okay. So who's the founder of Ocean Soul and what was the inspiration or motivation for her to create a socially conscious, environmentally focused enterprise? So Julie Church was the founder. Um, she founded the it started off, I would say, as a project. Julie was inspired. She was working for the um, World Wildlife Fund. I always mess that up, WWF, um, uh, and was working in um, northern Kenya on an island called Kiwayu. Beautiful, beautiful island um, right near Somalia. And they were doing a study on turtle hatching. And uh, unbeknownst to her and her colleagues, they ended up on this beach and um, they saw a bunch of village women in particular cleaning the beaches and keeping the flip-flops aside. I mean, they were cleaning the whole beaches because they were cleaning it to have the turtles uh, to be able to lay their eggs. 
And then she watched as, you know, and they were there for like weeks, you know, studying all this. And then the women were taking all of the flip-flops. And first she was like, there's so many flip-flops, which was odd, you know, because you don't think about that. Um, Especially, I think those of us, I call it above the equator and kind of in the first world. She then, but the village women were taking them back to the villages and the kids were playing with them and they were cutting them and making sculptures to make toys out of them. So they were doing everything from making little trucks and making like wheels out of the flip-flops. And she started to look at it in this um, kind of, genius way in order to you know kind of upcycle uh this material that they had not seen and that gave her the idea to kind of quit the job she started this project um and and started getting that going the momentum for the whole you know effort that ended up becoming ocean soul so there was already some movement before she came along to use the flip-flops yeah yeah and i like it because it was with the kenyan coastal women that were you know, it was kind of, I think, a great part of those stories. Two things. One, they knew they needed to clean the beaches for the sea turtles to hatch. And then second of all, they were, in, you know, kind of genius enough to go, what can we do with these, this asset of all this kind of trash and stuff right. that they found um, and use it for purposes, you know, for their children and entertainment? That's what women are just so resourceful. It's wonderful. Exactly. The Women Mind the Water podcast has featured a number of environmentally focused organizations, but none up to this point have been as socially conscious as Ocean Soul. What do you think the source of this social consciousness is? So just to give you a little bit of history of Ocean Soul, so Julie came on board, started the, she called it the flip-flop recycling company, um, and then she got an investor. Um, and the reason I it, this is kind of an important thing is this investor and Julie, um, you know, Julie's kind of a below water kind of girl and, and the investor was a spreadsheet type kind of guy. And right. um, let's just say, you know, the two had difficulties in a common vision. So what was happening is, and, and this is how I entered, is, the, you know, it wasn't really becoming a business and it really wasn't becoming a nonprofit. It was kind of stuck between kind of two visions that couldn't, um, you know, kind of coalesce together and move forward. So when I got involved, that's when we started. I really took some of my background in business, you know, and I worked in private equity, as you mentioned, in some of these places. And I was like, what is the asset of this, this enterprise? And the asset is people. And the people were not being managed as artisans and as to their creative talents. You know, there wasn't structure, there wasn't um, reward system, there wasn't benefits for them. So we started to do that at the employee level, which then kind of allowed us to branch out and take that ethos into the community to say, you know, we need to start working with these high impact coastal communities, particularly women. What are those programs those women need not only for life sustainable goal, you know, skills, but also in terms of engaging them in conservation. And I think we just, you know, that was just kind of a discipline from my background that I kind of brought in even on a small scale to make such an impact. And I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of. You know, a lot of people do conservation work, but I think because we do conservation and kind of um, social, you know, kind of um, helping with the social side of our employees and our ecosystem, you know, it really has seen a lot of benefits. It takes something special to have you decide to settle in Kenya and focus on flip-flops? Yeah, well, you know, I was 50 at the time and um, basically, you know, it was hard to get the attention of 
um, the techies anymore to listen to, you know, me like as a visionary in the tech space. So I kind of saw my career, you know, I'd spent a lifetime in business class, first class hotels. I spent a lifetime alone. I really just wanted to kind of do something that was back to who I was, which is, you know, I was a swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer. I've been an ocean lover, water sports fanatic. I love the ocean. I love nature. Um, and I love art. And I also love, you know, kind of business. And like, it just was a, a platform for me. It all came together. Yeah. It all came together. It's like, like some days I feel like I'm the artist, like, you know, that tour I showed you around my house with all of our art, you know, like, you know, I love being surrounded by art. Um, so I have to say, I never thought of flip-flops as being an ocean pollution problem. At least I never imagined three quarters of a million flip-flops washing ashore in one place. Where do all those flip-flops come from? Yeah, that's a great question, Pam. And we're actually starting a whole series um, called What the Flip-Flop, because that <laughs> is the one. I love that title. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll be, you know, and I'm going to do like, you know, whether I don't know the, you know, podcasts or whatever, you know, people are doing nowadays to explain, because I think this is an issue, right? Um, so why are there so many flip-flops? The, the reason is that the flip-flop is the number one shoe sold in the world. Three and a half billion people are estimated um, to wear flip-flops. This shoe is the poor man's shoe in, in the majority of countries, right? So if you look at where you have a combination of an emerging market, you know, or coastal communities, um, poverty, um, kind of, you know, what I would say, low wages, what can they afford? Well, these flip-flops are, you know, between a dollar and three dollars. They're very cheap. They are not Havianas. They are not Tory Burch. They are not, you know, anything sexy. They are a medium to get from A to B, you know, without soiling your feet. Um, if you, you know, I have loads of pictures of, we go around the world and I take pictures of, you know, kind of just streets of people just wearing flip-flops. They don't match. They don't anything. So, you know, it's not that these poor people are, um, you know, dirtying our oceans, because that's not fair, right? It's the sheer volume of which these flip-flops are purchased. Mm -hmm. That explains volume, but how do they end up in the ocean? So they end up in the ocean because these these guys, they, they're villages, right? They're mostly in poor countries. Their waste management and infrastructure isn't there. So, you know, you'll put like in even the village, not only in a village, but like a little community I live in, um, everybody wears them. They put them in the trash. The trash doesn't know what to do with them, right? So they stick them into the landfill. Those landfills or dumps, because sometimes it's not even as big as a landfill, are next to the ocean or a river. Why? Because when the high tides come in, mm. it will empty the dumps, right? And <laughs> that keeps right. us less work for them. They think, oh, that's a recycling problem. So it's the infrastructure of which this volume of flip-flops comes in that ends up. So now why do they end up in Kenya? Well, we get ours a lot, mostly from Malaysia, India, China, Sri Lanka, Goa, um, and they come from all these massive tidal waves that come and they just float and we get them by monsoon. So like my beach per personally is wrecked for about six months of the year with trash. And, you know, we get of that trash on our beach, I'd say about 40% of it is flip-flops. Um, and then they come from the rivers, come from Kenya. So all the waterways in Kenya, you know, come, and then they end up in the ocean and our rivers. So it's a huge volume problem and it's getting worse. I can see it getting worse. Um, 
and it's not just Kenya. I mean, I've seen this in Haiti. I've been to Haiti. I've been to Guatemala. I've been to Honduras. I've been to India. They're, I mean, it's the same problem. We're just the only little ones doing it in Kenya right now. So who comes up with the idea for the sculptural design? Is it one artist that's responsible for the designs or is it a team effort? Um, it depends on the, it's quite interesting story about the artists. So the artists are previous wood carvers. So how we, we find the artists, and that's why we have this headquarters in Nairobi, because they're mostly upcountry um, skilled guys that cut, used to cut down trees to make curios to sell to foreigners and, you know, tourists. So they were our artists that we've recreated and shown them how to reskill them to use the flip-flop medium. Um, we, um, we just basically show them a picture and they, you know, kind of look at the picture and everything and then they can replicate it. Um, when we do new things, like we've designed everything from like a life-size Honda 2002 or like the reindeer that's kind of behind me or the seahorse, you know, usually myself or one of the team members um, or Eric, my partner, he will, we design them and, you know, get pictures of them and then we blow them up through a big, um, projector and they trace them and then they're off and they have a couple of referral pictures and they just do it by trial and error. So what's the most unusual flip-flop design request that Ocean Soul has received? Well, um, I would say the most unusual and the most fantastic has been this this Honda I referred to. I mean, we made literally a life-size replica of the Honda 2002 convertible. It was for a gentleman in Alabama. He was a car dealer owner. He wanted to have this spectacular statement piece to, you know, kind of entertain children and, you know, customers. And, you know, he did it as a differentiation of his brand. That took a lot of work. You know, we used metal, you know, that one had metal frame and then we had some, you know, polyurethane in there and we had flip-flops and, you know, that was kind of, I would say, the hardest most spectacular, you know, piece that we've done. So what are the challenges of working with flip-flops? For example, what happens to the leftover odds and ends? Well, I'll answer that first and then work my way backwards. So we, of course, we have waste, right? Because we collect all of these flip-flops and we carve things. And like, if you look at the dog here, you know, he will have started out maybe with like a square nose. So obviously when the guys are carving, there'll be shavings and cutoffs from, you know, shaping his ears and his legs and stuff. Well, that goes onto the floor. Um, and every night they pick those up, you know, all the artists pick those up and we put them into a big bin. Um, and then we shred it and we shred it into very, very fine, well, not too fine. We're kind of fine um, bits, you know, kind of like the size of a pen, the end of a pen. We take that um, and then we put some like mosquito netting, but a little bit heavier around it. And we make mattresses. So those mattresses are donated to the refugee camp up in Dadaab. Um, We do that through the Red Cross or from um, through some of the different charities. They can come by and pick those up. They can take them with them. We give them away for free. Um, I will charge, I do make dog beds for kind of more rich people, <laughs> you know, we'll charge, like make a nice dog bed for $80. That kind of funds 80, um, you know, kind of mattresses. So that's what we do with our waste. Um, sadly, right now, unless you work with a biodegradable rubber, you know, this, this medium is, you know, very difficult to 
um, you know, kind of recycle or, or kind of change into new formation, right? It can be merged. I call it, we come kind of kicking the problem forward, right? So I do that with mattresses. We've taken those bits and we've also mixed those with cement and made like building blocks. So maybe it's 60% cement and then 40% of our chips. And it just, you know, we kind of put it into the housing materials. So that's, we try anything and anyone that has an idea, we kind of take it on and try to figure out what to do. So in a recent podcast, I spoke to another very energetic, passionate person. I spoke to Nina Azara. She's a 14-year-old Indonesian woman who has stepped onto the global stage calling attention to the illegal illegal dumping of plastic in her country of Indonesia. She has gained the attention of many world leaders and brought some success in reducing plastic pollution in Indonesia. Do you think Ocean Soul has been effective in calling attention to plastic pollution in Kenya? And what else do you think should be done? I mean, that's a really um, thought-provoking question that I... It's interesting because as, you know, I kind of prepared thinking about this, um, I don't think Ocean Soul has been in Kenya a massive leader in the attention of plastic. I think Ocean Soul started and was one of the, and, and and I say this because if you look at the history and the timing, right, we started 10 years ago in a kind of a small thing and it, we're kind of a nonprofit retailer. We have to, we're like the Girl Scouts. We have to sell cookies to do good, right? So mm-hmm. it's like the, the fastest way to sell art is probably not in Kenya. You know, we do have a lot of supporters there, but, you know, you can't sustain a um, the amount of scale that we clean and produce and upcycle kind of just relying on that Kenyan market. So I do think um, rightly or wrongly, because, you know, this, this is, like I said, has brought some thoughts to me. You know, we focus a lot internationally on our product and our brand and our our messaging. Um, So I'm not sure there's many more organizations within Kenya that are truly plastic, you know, kind of drilling home the message. So much so that Kenya is, I think, the only country in the world, or it certainly was the first country in the world, to ban plastic uh, bags, you know, like the ones you get from... um, we, what do we have here? No, Sandsbury's. That's when I lived in London. You know, like Publix and stuff. Right, you know, the, right. We, you, they, you cannot, it is illegal to have those bags in Kenya. They're about to do the plastic, the straws as well. Um, and our president has been quite like, we didn't use these things 10 years ago which is true. You know, like when I first went to Kenya, you know, the plastic consumption was so low and just with the rise of the middle class and consumerism, it's got it gone. So he's cut a lot of that off. And the UN is headquartered there in Nairobi, especially the UN, um, UNEP, you know, the environmental program, which is the big, you know, for ocean day and everything that is headquartered in Nairobi. So we have a lot of um, organizations beating on the drum, you know, about plastic and, and it's in its impacts on the ocean. I think um, that Ocean Soul has a really unique space globally to talk about flip-flop debris. Um, and we're probably the only ones talking about it. You know, sadly, we're just a little art company and not a massive scale to kind of really bring attention to it. But I think our art does get people talking about it. And I agree with that. And I in no way want to cast aspersions yeah. to what you do because I think it's wonderful how you've created a model that really has a social consciousness that is creating a community of women and men 
that are cleaning up their beaches and putting it to a purpose. Yes. It may be that the purpose is lost as far as these are a lot of flip-flops, but I think the conversation like you're having with me now raises issues for other people, and you are in the niche that you do so well. What would you like to tell people who live outside of Kenya? How can they help, or what should they be doing to make the lives of people who live along the coast better? Well, I mean, in particular in Kenya, you know, I think it's, um, you know, how to support our cause is obviously, you know, kind of helping fund beach cleanups and buying our art and things like that. But I think in general, you know, the, the call to action, but it's quite interesting, man, because people ask me a lot. I've been on podcasts and TV shows and they'll say, well, Aaron, you know, do you want people to stop buying flip flops? And it's like, well, the problem is we're not the flip flop problem, right? right. <laughs> and the, and it's it's a problem. Like a friend of mine said, oh, I yelled at my husband and he went and bought Ziploc bags. And I said, well, you have to understand I think what we can do as a community at once is shine, get our brains around thinking around, and I call it like below the equator only because it's like, it seems like, you know, between South America and India and, you know, kind of where we are in Africa, kind of the, the mindset's different. You know, a Ziploc bag in Kenya is worth $100 because they can preserve food. You know what I mean? So the value of our trash is different based on different communities. And I think that's where messaging can be so hard. You know, it was great. The single use plastic straw, you know, got everybody thinking about it, but it's like, it, it doesn't resonate in other communities because they don't have straws. So it got right. us to stop here, but it's like that hasn't solved maybe a bigger problem over there. So it's, it's a weird, um, thing because it's kind of like i don't know how people can really in sitting in america you know in florida and maine what can we do to help you know with the flip-flop pollution because we're not really causing it unless it's you know and it's like or it's getting out and sponsoring and buying what i do with businesses as they say what you can do is buy a twenty-five thousand dollar piece of masterpiece art that stands for flip-flop permission and you're educating every time somebody walks into your lobby you know you've got a piece of right. art that talks about flip-flop pollution and its destruction and it's you know havoc on you know wages and you know kind of health of employees etc etc um you know until i kind of somebody smarter comes along and tells me kind of from a science perspective what can be done you know biodegradable flip-flops that's the choice we can all make um i'm going to ask you because i imagine a lot of listeners will want to know how they can buy an ocean soul creation where are these sculptures available so we are online at oceansoulonline.com, um, and we're migrating to oceansoul.com. You'll find us. We're the only ones there. Um, Ocean Soul Africa, we're all kind of all those brands. Um, and we sell online, and you can you know buy everything from $20 to $900 online. If you want something made specifically, like your dog or your cats, you know, we make a lot of bespoke uh, or custom pieces. Um, we have a lot of people that have designed things for themselves, like a peacock or, you know, various things. And chickens, we're about to do some chickens for a big feed store. Um, those, you know, we get in touch with you, we work with you through the design process, and that is quite fun um, to do. Erin, I want to thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I hope listeners have found the story of Ocean Soul inspiring and informative i'd like to remind listeners that i've been speaking with aaron smith for the women mind and water podcast series the series can be viewed on womenmindandwater.com 
An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and other places. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Parasolson. This is Pam Parasolson.